Welcome to the Nash Biz Podcast, a podcast specifically for business owners in Nashville, Tennessee. Whether you're seeking the best strategies for scaling your business, networking opportunities, or just plain old entertainment, this podcast is for you. Welcome to the show. What is going on, everybody? My name is Brady Morgan. I am one of the hosts of the Nash Biz Podcast here with my co-host and business partner, John Trusty. Today, we have Vinny Rebus. Vinny does a lot of different things. He's the founder of Indie Connect, an artist management and tour management company. He's the owner of three TV channels on a new OTT network launching later this year. He's the developer and editor of a new family-oriented online magazine called Virtuo. and is a founder of the Spark Nashville, an avatar-based virtual community. Vinny, what's going on, man? Oh, life is good. Good deal. Life I'm glad is- to hear it. Glad to hear it. So that's the bio we have for you. Now, let's let you introduce yourselves to my audience. Let's say we're on an elevator. We're on floor 12. We're going down to floor one. How would you introduce yourself to me before we got down to floor one? Well, I'm that famous guy that you probably should. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm basically a serial entrepreneur who believes that, well, I'm 67. So um, I'm too old not to do things that are fun and, and not to do things that are going to have an impact on other people. So I'm an entrepreneur that's trying to put together programs that are going to change people's lives in some way or another. Love it. Love it. No, and it sounds like you're doing quite a bit. So let, let's take this apart. With all the different hats you're wearing, what, what is your main gig right now? Artist management, artist consulting. And how did that get started? Because you know, you're in Nashville. Nashville's huge for artists and, and music and creativity. I imagine it has something to do with it. But how did you get started in this? How old were you and what led you to start this? I had my first paying band when I was seven. Okay. So, um, and I just kind of had the knack of being the person who was booking the gigs, scheduling the rehearsals. You know, I just, I don't know why, but that was just something that came natural to me. It's like, nobody else is doing it. Got to do it. Um, and so, you know, I, I had a long career as a musician, <clears throat> nothing famous. I just played a lot on cruise ships and a lot of hotel circuit and the fair circuit. Um, I got at one point, my booking agent wasn't booking me enough. So I complained to him, uh, mainly because we'd been on a cruise for for nine months. And um, when I came back, there was no work for me. And he said, I'm just overwhelmed. So why don't you come work with me? So I learned how to be a booking agent. And then I opened my own booking agency, which had me uh, then eventually led me to being the entertainment director for the Nevada State Fair. And, you know, through all of this, a lot of artists saw that I was pretty good at the business side of things. And so they were asking me if I would help them, I would coach them or I would manage them. And, uh, you know, I did I did do a lot of a little bit of managing way back when in the 80s. Um, I had one major label artist that. Uh, burned me for an entire summer worth of commissions and it actually kicked me out of the industry for a while. Um, but I, you know, once, once you're in the music industry, it's kind of in your blood and, and you always come back to it. And I did. And, um, and I absolutely love it. And I love, I, I feel like I'm a teacher more than anything at heart. So I have 12 interns usually. Um, this semester is kind of light, but uh, normally I have 12 interns and I, I just love being able to, to, teach them and they work with all my artists and um, it's just a, 
you know, it's a really amazing, very, uh, very engaging industry. And, and, and I just love it. So there's a lot, I know there's a lot of challenges working with artists and mu musicians, but talk to us about some of the, the big challenges or pitfalls that you faced during your journey in that industry and how you got through them. Okay. Well, the, the biggest challenge is working with artists who don't, um, I'm not going to say they don't have the work ethic. They probably just work on, they don't know enough to know what to do right. And, and so they are making mistakes after mistakes. Um, I see them getting eaten by sharks. Um, you know, I started my company, Indie Connect, and one of the first people, that, and, and it, it started just as a networking event. It was, I was running, I was actually doing business coaching and uh, I was running regular networking meetings here in Nashville. And um, I had a lot of musicians coming in. So I said to them one day, why don't we get together once a week and talk music business? And then the first week I had five people there. The next week I had 10. The next week I had 30. Okay. And like, okay, there, there's something here. But one of the first people that came in was a young couple who had just gotten married and they lived in Indianapolis and they, they moved here and they got hooked up with a producer who produced an album for them, charged them $25,000. Now this is going back 13 years charged them $25,000 for a five song EP, picked out one of the songs that they did not have the right to use. And so even though they had a thousand CDs printed up, they couldn't do anything with them. They weren't allowed to put them out there. And it's like, okay, th this, this should not never happen. I hate seeing this happen. And I've seen it happen over and over again. So probably the biggest challenge in the industry is when, when people are preying on people who just have big dreams, you know, they, they, they have that, I'm not going to say they have stars in their eyes, but, but they're, they're, they'll latch on to anybody who is giving them a glimmer of hope. And unfortunately that often, all too often costs them money. Absolutely. And I imagine, cause my sister's in the music industry and she says, you know, it can get dark where there's a lot of people who take advantage of others and, you, you, there's not really anything you can do about it other than just stay away from those people. But in the beginning, when you're just starting out, you're looking for that big break and you're desperate for anybody, regardless Absolutely. of if you know it or not. Right. And if you don't have the connections to at least ask, you know, find out about somebody's reputation, um, it, it really gets scary. I mean, people get burned big time and they still do nowadays. And so that's one of the reasons why I kept that organization going and, um, at all the meetings that I had, eventually I had six meetings going every single week um, around the Nashville area. I mean, it, it was just, it was crazy, but I had speakers at all of them. I got to, to know everybody. I got to become friends with all the speakers. I'd always take them out for coffee. Same thing I recommend to artists and everything. And, and I found that this is such an incredibly easy town to build relationships in. Mm -hmm. People are, are very friendly if you're professional about it. And so I built a, a really good Rolodex of, of contacts in the industry without me having to go and, and knock down doors or, you know, trying to uh, hawk myself and anybody. They were coming to me and it was awesome. And so I love, you know, I, the, the lessons that I learned from that about building the relationships, about how to avoid the sharks and stuff like that. That's kind of what I, I, I do a lot of in my consulting is just teaching people how to get connected, how to put the right team together and everything, how to avoid 
people that are going to, that are just abusing them. Um, and, and I see it all the time. I see it in my interns who, you know, people are taking advantage of. Um, it's, it's, it's sad. It's scary. It's one of the darkest parts of the industry. But at the same time, there are so many great parts of the industry. Right. So you're, you're big on connecting people. That's, is, is that kind of where Spark was formed? Absolutely. Absolutely. The Spark is, is a... It, so back in 2013, I put on the world's first virtual music conference. And we, this was pre-HTML. I mean, the software was so clunky. But I had 500 people from 25 different countries all online for a weekend networking with each other. Wow. And it was amazing. And, and I still, a lot of them are relationships I still maintain today. Um, and so when COVID hit last year, we wanted to re basically duplicate that and do it again. And um, I went looking at different softwares and everything looked like it did back in 2013 because there was no reason for people to, to have changed it. Um, and then I found the Spark, which is an avatar-based community one where you actually have a full body because a lot of them are just little like teardrops with a face or something. Um, and, and you get to walk around and you get to choose whether you want, I want to go to this meeting or I want to go for a boat ride because it's on an Island or I want to go play soccer or I want to go, you know, watch a concert on the beach or, I mean, it's got so many different amenities to it that it really is a, uh, a community in itself. And our, our initial thought was that we were going to build a, 24-hour day, seven-day-a-week music community on there. We did do our own virtual music conference back in last October, and, um, and that was great. But the idea was to build a, a community out of it. Do you think, and, and I'm sure you get this question a lot, you hear this, this argument when it comes to social media, people creating relationships online and not acting the same in person because the way social media and internet and all that does to your brain. Do you think creating relationships virtually has drawbacks in comparison to creating them in person? There are drawbacks, and, but there are also some huge advantages. Like when you're an avatar, if, you have, if you're self-conscious about meeting other people because of the way you look or something like that, that's all gone. You get to reinvent yourself and be who you really are on there. Yep. Um, and... If you are nervous in crowds, if you get anxious in crowds, you, you don't feel that way. But at the same time, if you get too close to somebody, even though you're avatars, you want to back away. You feel like they're invading your personal space. Um, and so, you, you know, you still have that human behavior. But at the same time, you do get to, to do things. You get to, to reinvent yourself and be who you really are you know, comfortable with. Um, you know, the negatives, of course, are that you don't know who's hiding behind the avatar. And, um, and so that's, you know, but that's no different than going and meeting somebody at a, at a chamber meeting and you don't really know who they are. And you yep. start talk, talking business and then you find out that, um, you know, they're one of the sharks that we we're talking about, but in a different industry, maybe. So, right. you know, th there's always going to be that. You're never going to take that, that human side out of it. But the idea that you can be able to walk up to somebody... I, it was great. You know, we, we, we see it in a business perspective. So I was on a networking meeting and one person said, well, it's kind of like if LinkedIn and second city had a baby because you can go up, you can read somebody's profile before you introduce yourself. You go and talk to them. 
if you're having a good conversation, you can say, let's go over to the table over here where it's private and only nobody else, nobody else can hear you. If you sit at this table, it's got a, a, a privacy zone uh, circle around it. And you build business, you build relationships like you would in any other, like going out for coffee. You know, um, I used to, my office used to be Panera's. Uh, <laughs> I loved it. You know, and, and everybody knew me and, and they would be bringing people over to me and introducing them and everything. And this is the same thing. It becomes the same kind of atmosphere. And so it's powerful in that way. Yes, there's always going to be some negatives. There's, there's also the negative of just, you know, if you don't have the right computer, you can't get on there. You know, if it's not good on a, on a phone or on a tablet, it's got to be a computer. Um, you know, there's a few things like that. But like we have um, Smokey Robinson's Miracles coming on to do a concert. Um, and, and that's, and the beauty of it is that the members will actually have their own avatars there and they can do meet and greets with the people. They'll actually, they'll be able to see them on the web, on the web screen. So they'll actually see their faces, but their avatars can actually go up to people, shake their hands, uh, you know, interact with them, go bring them to the beach, go for a boat ride with them. And you are with that person. And it doesn't take long for you to forget that you're an avatar and you just start acting like a real person and, and having those same relationship, uh, re you know, the same rules that you would follow in building any other relationship. Yeah. Right. So, so you mentioned about having to ha some computers can't run it and stuff. And that's, I mean, that's common with any kind of video or virtual aspect because you're rendering so much and it's changing so often right. it's not real steady, but yeah, I'm curious, is this is this something where you can put on your, your VR goggles and headset and you're moving through it? Or is it uh, just on your computer or a little bit of both? You can put on VR goggles and, and an Oculus. It's got the modes for that. Um, but you don't have to have that. You still mm -hmm. get to walk around. You just don't get to move your arms at free will. You have to use commands to move your arms to shake hands yeah. or to applaud or to dance, stuff like that. So, That's interesting. Awesome. So, yeah. What, with, with everything you got going on, right? I mean, you have uh, the Spark, you have Indie Connect, you have the magazine, you have the TV shows. What what is what are your goals for all of this? How, how do you uh, how do you balance across all these different mediums of business? Well, the interesting thing is that all the projects that I've taken on do tie into each other. So, for example, there's the company Virtuo is not mine. Uh, but that is who I built the magazine for. Um, and they are the ones that own the TV network. They also run a school tour. We've got 16 artists that are scheduled to go out and perform and speak at schools. Um, unfortunately, with COVID resurging now, that's probably going to, I'm going to be switching that over to virtual. But I'm in charge of that. I'm doing all the tour management, running that whole that thing. Um, but a lot of the artists that I'm working with, I've brought onto the tour. We will be uh, doing TV shows with them. They will be part of Virtual Magazine, which is um, Virtual World, basically, virtual.world. And, um, and so all of the pieces play together. And, and that makes it a lot easier because it's the same team pretty much working on everything. If it was all individual projects, I'd never have the time to be able to do it. Yeah, I don't think anybody would. It's a lot. When I boost the magazine, I get to be putting things together to market the, the TV network mm -hmm. or 
to market to, to, to get schools to sign up for the school uh, tour. Or, you know, we've got a global concert scheduled for next year, a three-day concert. And the only way you'll be able to get tickets for it is to buy it to a school. You'll be able to see it as a pay-per-view through schools. And we expect to raise over a billion dollars for schools and after-school programs next year. Oh. And, uh, and so it all ties together. The, the school tour artists who are my consulting artists, a lot of them, will be on that concert as well as the major artists that we've, uh, we're in the process of booking right now. And so it all plays together. And it, everything is family friendly. Everything that we're doing, everything is designed to, to give people a, a better perspective on life, to give them a little bit more light at the end of the tunnel, uh, change what they're, they're watching, change what they're listening to, change what they're, you know, how they're thinking and everything. Not in, a, not in a touch by an angel, sugary sweet way. It's still hard hitting, but you know, Minus the explicit language, minus the really graphic scenes, minus the divisive political commentary and stuff like that. Just really good, engaging content. Something similar that that with all the other higher level or, or people, CEOs that have reached higher levels of success is even though you're doing multiple things, it all falls into your one thing, right? Which is the connecting of people and and the music industry and it seems like you use quite a bit of technology as well, but it all, it all goes back to that one thing. It all goes back to that. It's all about building communities of people that'll support each other. I was just literally just before this on, on a call with one of my artists um, that I manage and she's a rap artist out of Texas. And we were talking about putting a consortium of artists together who want to help people who have, are dealing with mental health issues um, dealing with homelessness, things that she has dealt with herself. And so, again, I said, I, I wouldn't recommend that she do this at the stage that she's at right now, except that we can market this through virtual world and get artists from all over the place and get people mm -hmm. to, you know, to, to support it and everything. So if it doesn't all play together, then it just becomes you know, really difficult. But when it all plays together, and, and it is all about connecting. That's why I called my, for the other company, Indie Connect. It's mm -hmm. all about, you, know, you can't do it yourself. Nobody can do it themselves. I don't care how smart you are. I don't care how much, you know, we all have the exact same amount of time, the you know, same amount of time that we can put things uh, and, you know, put our time into. And I always tell entrepreneurs, because I've coached over a thousand entrepreneurs and a thousand artists, it takes the same amount of time and the same amount of effort to build something huge as it does to build something small. It just takes a different plan. And once people get that in their, in their heads that, you know, you're right, you know, I could, I could say I want to open a restaurant or I could think I want to open a hundred restaurants in the next five years. And both of them are viable and you only have 24 hours a day that you can put into either one of those. So it's up to you how big you want to think and how big you want to dream and how big you want to build. And that's why all the things that I'm doing right now are, are global in scope. They are literally global in scope. And it's because I've got a team of people that think the same way. And, and we're all putting that plan together rather than you know, building a plan that's, you know, okay, we're going to just build this little local uh, website and try to get some advertisers on it. Um, or, you know, we're going to put up a Roku channel and just leave it at that and hope that somebody sees it. You know, we're, we're, we're thinking bigger and just putting a different plan in place than what most people would put in place. 
Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree with that. Outside of the podcast, we run a, a overseas staffing agency, but we're really big on growing a team because regardless of the goal you have, it's very hard to attain it by yourself. Um, Absolutely. Even though you have 24 hours in a day, it's not realistic to work 24 hours a day. You're, you're going to burn out. You got to sleep. You got to spend time with family. You got to eat. You know, you, you got to go to the bathroom. Like you, you need people working on different areas of your business while you can focus on what only you can focus on. And I think, you know, I'm interested to hear as you've coached as entrepreneurs, the entrepreneurs struggle with that. Cause I think it is an ego thing too, of wanting full control over everything within the business. You have the plan it's your goal, no one else's goal, but it's the ego. They won't hire because they're, they're afraid of giving up control. Do you see that a lot with the people that you coach? I just wrote an article called don't mess with my baby. And that's exactly what it's about because songwriters are in the same boat. Artists are in the yep. same boat as entrepreneurs. You know, this is mine. You can't touch it. You know, you're going to change it. You're, you know, it's my vision. It's my dream. And, and the truth is you can get other people to buy into it and they're going to refine it. They're going to make it better, but you don't ever have to give up that, that dream. And you don't have to give up control if you know how to build the plan. That's all it is, is a, is a different plan. And so, yeah, I see that all the time, that people are very protective. Um, they're afraid to play their song for, for somebody in, because it's going to be stolen. It's like, well, then how is anyone ever going to hear it? Yeah. Ever? Yeah. How are you going to get it cut? Or, you know, how are you going to get to be known? Um, and you just put protections in place. And nowadays, it's, it's pretty easy to do that. Um, so it, it is a matter of having a coach or an advisor, somebody who, who can just help you put the plan together that allows you to, to accomplish what you want to do in a manner that is safe for you. This, that is beneficial for everybody. It's a win-win for everybody. You know, I tell everybody I'm too old not to make it a win-win for everybody. If, I have two rules, either everybody wins or we don't play and we got to have fun or we don't play. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. a good rule. It's a good rule. I want to go back to the, the spark real quick. Cause that's very interesting to me. I love the, the way technology is moving. I think it's uh, there's obviously goods and good and bad for it, but as technology begins to accelerate and it's, it seems to be happening at an exponential rate, how do you see the spark changing uh, with that? Well, I think what I'm seeing is a lot of people are coming to us with a ton of different ideas. And so you know, each one is exactly the same, but a little bit different. For instance, we're working on building a duplicate of the Spark for veterans because a lot of veterans are, they're homebound, they're dealing with PTSD, they're dealing with challenges. They want to be around other people who understand what they've been through. Yeah. And so, you know, and so that, that's a whole community that can have their, you know, so we're looking at grants right now to build a community just for them. At the same time, I never thought about this before until it was approached, uh, we were approached for it. But there are a lot of retired sports people who are in the same boat, you know, especially if, if they were retired quite a while ago and when the money wasn't like it is now. And so they don't have the money. A lot of them have been injured. They're dealing with Alzheimer's, especially football players, contact sports and stuff. are dealing with all kinds of challenges. And so they're loving the idea of having their own campus. Um, but education is using it too. There's two colleges that have the exact same thing that we have. And they're, you know, they're using it in a totally different way than just community. 
they're using it for education. They're using a lot of the VR capabilities and stuff like that. So it's going to keep evolving um, based on the needs, based on what people want, because it, now it, it's pricey, but not too pricey to develop something, you know, based on what's already out there and just kind of make it what you need it to be for yourself. Right. And so, so, you know, I see it just getting better. I see it. I don't see it ever replacing everything else. Um, it, it is much easier to work remotely. I myself, not even, I gave up my office. I'm working completely remotely because I save the time that it takes to go to the office and come back. And all my clients are all over the country anyway. Um, so there are, there are advantages there, but it, it, you know, it doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to replace everything. I still want to go out and meet people in person. It's kind of the introduction. It's the LinkedIn introduction, except it's a little bit more advanced. I still want to get on the phone with somebody. I still want to talk to them or on a Zoom call. But then I still, you know, even the people on the Zoom call, I still want to meet in person. And so, you know, I, I think it's going to be an extension. It's going to be another way to reach out. We call the Spark the only social platform that is actually social. Because everything else is you post something and then you wait. You wait for a response. You post, and then you know, then they wait for you to respond, and vice versa. As opposed to having an actual conversation with somebody, walking up to somebody and literally talking to them. Right. What well, What's it going to take for these virtual events and virtual conferences to be more widely adopted? Because I do think it's still a new concept mm -hmm. um, that a lot of people haven't heard of. But I imagine in the next decade, let's say, it's going to be a lot more widely adopted. But what's it going to take to get to that point? I think it's, it's on the way because what's happening now is uh, a lot of people have realized that a lot of their, and, and this goes across the board, whether it's a, uh, a conference or a concert, you know, you take a, a major artist and they can go out and see, they can go to 30 cities on their tour, but how many cities do they not go to that people would have paid for? And so you're seeing a lot of hybrid events. You know, we're going to broadcast this um, on social media and we're going to charge tickets for that. Um, when it has to be more hands-on than just viewing somebody uh, or when you want it to be like in a conference or a workshop where you want to break into workshops and you want people to discuss things uh, and it's not efficient to do it in a, in a chat or something like that, then people are, are discovering different. Um, there's probably, I know of about 15, 20 different platforms out there for that, that have, they all have their own little twist on how to, how to use the virtual concept. Um, I haven't seen any that are as advanced as our avatars are, but there's new ones coming out all the time, all the time. And so I think it is being very widely adopted. If you look at TED Talks, you'll see a lot of talk about how that's being adopted into education and stuff like that, um, how it's being used for people with disabilities. Uh, so it's getting there. And, um, and we've got major com companies that are now building their own campuses that are getting, you know, exactly what we have. Um, we just we just have one that it's a fantasy football and fantasy baseball league that you know got their own campus, um, so they can run all their 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 cons on there, all their conferences. So I mean, it it's it's getting there. People are discovering it, and they're discovering the benefits of it. And, uh, and it's being integrated into the, the workspace as well as into the, the social space. Got two questions. One, is there, is it 
when you say that there's more campuses like the Spark being built, is that going to be on the same platform? So if you're at the Spark, you can just hop on over to the football field and play football with your friends and then hop over to the auditorium and go to class? Or is it actually a different application on the, the computer itself? It would be a different application. We, we had ours licensed. We licensed it from the tech company okay. that put it together. So other people are licensing it too. And we also okay. sell campuses, um, you know, and then we manage them for people if they want us to. Great. And then uh, second question is how, how would somebody, if somebody's interested in checking it out, how would they go about viewing it? Or, you know, I see there's get a tour on your website. Is that the best place to go check it out? Yeah, you can go to thesparknashville.com. And, uh, and you can see a little bit about it there, but you do want to have a tour. It's really hard to, for somebody to understand exactly what it's like, unless they've got boots on the ground, or at least on a Zoom call where you can see from an avatar perspective, what's, what, you know, what you're able to do on there. Um, but when you get people there and they, and, you know, you hop into the boat and go for a boat ride around the island, um, and it's, nothing's pre-planned, it's totally spontaneous, which is different than most Zoom calls where they're going to tell you when to go to a meeting, tell you when to, you know, breakout session or whatever. People, they, they understand the, the value of that and how it's, it maintains that community spirit. I mean, we've done a family reunion on there, everything. Um, so. That's awesome. That's awesome. No, it's, it seems like the Spark Nashville could be considered like a pioneer of what's to come in the virtual reality world, which is interesting because I think there's still a lot of improvements to be made there. But Vinny, as we close here, you know, I think we talked about a lot, especially when your background and all these different ventures you have going on. But I think um, among everything else, given that, you know, you are a seasoned, a seasoned veteran, I would say in the entrepreneurial world, you have a lot of years under your belt that a lot of people just don't have. You don't know what you don't know. Now, I imagine at your age, you're still learning. You're never, you never stop learning. But uh, at the end of the day, for someone who is going through a similar journey, you've been through, just being an entrepreneur of growing different platforms of being pulled in a lot, for, a lot of different directions. There are struggles, of course, you know, there's always going to be obstacles. There's going to be struggles. There's going to be times where you want to give up. You want to quit. How do you keep going? And I think that's a question a lot of people have. How do I just keep going and keep pushing? That's a really good question because it, it is the biggest challenge that most entrepreneurs have and business owners. I mean, even with COVID and all, you know, what it's done to businesses and everything. And, and you have that question of when do you, when do you keep going and when do you stop? I think the, the, the bottom line is the why that you have behind it has to be strong enough to keep you going. If, it, if you don't have a reason for doing it, you're gonna get burned out way before it ever gets a chance to mature. You have to understand that it's gonna mature. You have to have other people buy into the vision because they're gonna bring things to the table that you don't have. And so if you're trying to build it all yourself, that's not going to work. Um, but the bottom line is if you have the right why behind it, it's a lot easier to get people to buy into the vision. And when they do, that attracts money, it attracts team members, it attracts uh, you know, attention, it, it, it attracts everything that you need. And if you, if you do surround yourself with people who are smarter than you in the areas that you, know, you need that, to help in, um, and I think that, you know, that's the wisest thing that any entrepreneur can do, 
is surround themselves with people who are a little bit smarter than them, then they bring all of those missing pieces, all, all those frustrating, frustrating things that you're trying to figure out yourself and, and they can just whip them out and say, this is how you do it. Boom. And it makes the journey so much more, not only, not only easier, but so much more fun when you've got all of these pieces and, and people are, are bringing their expertise to the table. So you can still maintain control like we talked about earlier. You can do that. But if you ha I've seen people build multi-million dollar companies and get huge money and get huge CEOs to, to be part of the, the, the company and everything on just an idea. Yeah. On just an idea. I want to I teach piano how to, uh, I want to teach piano using video games. And a company called Piano Wizard was born. And it raised millions of dollars. And the, the, the idea guy was smart enough that he, he took the, the first money that came in and he hired a CEO to run it for two years. And he shadowed him for two years and he learned how to do it. There was no ego involved. It was, I don't know how to do this. So I'm not going to keep banging my head against the wall. Here's somebody. And that, that attracted, you know, that person was able to attract money. So there is a plan that you can put in place that helps you keep going. The problem is that most people just don't look deep enough to figure mm -hmm. out what that plan is. They don't get the right people around them. They hold it too closely to themselves. Um, just like we talked about with artists and everything, you know, with artists, the biggest challenge I have, and you know, anybody in the music industry nowadays is hurting. And, but most of them don't realize all the opportunities that are out there available for them. They don't know what's there. And so they're very stuck in only doing what they think is going to work, what they've been told, what everybody else around them is doing, instead of surrounding themselves with people who have been there, done that, and are a little bit smarter than what they, than they are, and, or, or just wiser, not even smarter. It's not a matter of being smarter or more talented. It's just a matter of bringing a different perspective, a different method to the plan. And uh, if, if you surround yourself with people who buy into it, if you get people to buy into it because you've got a strong enough why, nothing will stop you. Yep. Nothing. Yep. It'll never be, it'll never be a challenge. It'll always be a joy to, to build it. Completely agree with that. And I think a lot of it too, you know, like we talked about the one thing, staying focused, singular focus, not letting too many things get in the way of that. Um, and I think a lot of people struggle with that as well, where, where they start putting their time in different buckets and how do you keep going? Well, you got to remove some things out of your life that aren't contributing to that one thing. But Vinny, I, I do appreciate your time. If somebody wants to get in touch with you, how can they reach you? Um, Vinny at VinnyRebus.com is the best way. R-I-B-A-S. Awesome. Yeah. So guys, reach out to Vinny, ask him any questions about what he's doing with the Spark Nashville or just entrepreneurial questions in general. I, I'm sure Vinny would love to answer them and be a, a guide for you. So Vinny, appreciate your time, man. Um, this was a great interview and a lot of valuable insights. So I appreciate it. Awesome. I appreciate it. Thank, Thank you. you. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Nash Biz Podcast. We post new episodes every single week, and we'd greatly appreciate if you would subscribe and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. We'll catch you next time.